Hello and welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was Slade in Merry Christmas Everybody is Jack that we'll all be familiar with. This is the second part of uh, my podcast interview with Jim Lee, who's also got an excellent EP, Out Lost in Space, and we'll be hearing a little bit more about that and some solo tracks later on in the show. But today, let's uh, let's go back to where we were. Merry Christmas. Uh, you know, my friend Stan had got to number two, and I, we were in America. I was really unhappy, and Chaz was saying, hey, Jim. He was ringing me up all the time. He always used to ring me up. I used to hate it. You know, he was always saying, how's the writing going, Jimmy? Oh, Christ. And, uh, you know, I really used to, uh, you know, it it used to get on my nerves because, you know, it was was Chaz that was putting the pressure on me and he was kicking my backside and then I had to come up with stuff and then, then, you know, we'd have to find the time to record it. Because we didn't take very long doing the record, making the records. They were they were done very quickly. I think Cause I Love You took two days. I think uh, maybe one. We got it down in one day. And we were just doing you know messing around with the odd thing here on the second day, and that's how it used to be. We'd make an album in a couple of weeks, and so um, uh, we were in America, and uh, we went to the record plant uh, to record, and I got no songs, and then. Uh, I got in the shower and came up with Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, and I thought it was an absolutely brilliant idea. So I told Nod about it. And he told me to uh, to go away and have sex with myself. Uh, <laughs> you can do the translation. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and he just wasn't, he, you know, he just, he said, he said, we are a rock band, we don't do another bloody Christmas song. And, you know... Mm. I thought it was a fantastic idea because nobody was going to expect it from us. Mm. And that was the whole thing. I mean, I'm really into history. And in, in the Second World War, there was this pilot named Douglas Bader. You ever heard of him? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had the Duxford wing. And the way they used to attack uh, the, the enemy was they used to come out, of the, come out of the sun. So nobody expected them to, be, to come, that, come there, come out of the sun. So there'd be a above the German planes. And I mean, it's horrible talking like this now because we're friends with the Germans, but, mm. you know, but that's that's how we did it. And I thought, you know, we'll be coming out of the sun with this and nobody would expect it. I mean, we were in America and, and we had no idea really you had any concept of, you know, we did about this three-day week. I said, what's a three-day week? I don't understand it. What does that mean? You know, and, uh, and uh, anyway, Don and Dave, did not want to do it, you know. They did, they wouldn't even learn it. And, and Dad had had this massive car crash, and his lovely girlfriend had oh, got yeah. killed. And and he, he, to this day, his memory isn't. Uh, he's, he's written a book. Out, he's done that. I've no idea. <laughs> I mean, he can't remember jack shit, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but uh, he's a lovely lad. And uh, but they, you know, all of them were against it. When when Nod Nod agreed to come over and work on it, you know, I said, "Look, Nod, this is all we've got." He said, "But well, I, I don't want to do a Christmas song." I said, "Nod, if we don't do this, I will, I will. I'll do the do the. Uh, <clears throat> I've got this. So oh, here it is, Merry Christmas." And uh, I said, I, "I said, no, I I'll do the lyrics, and it'll be a smash for somebody else." I said, "Right, so it's up to you." And I was telling telling him off, you know. And so he came. He said, well, what do I do? He said, you, you normally write some lyrics. And then I go on from that. Uh, I said, 
just think of it, what it was, Christmas was like when you were a kid, and that was it. And I sent him off. So when he came back, I knew it would be have a sort of, you know, it was always, you know, the the granny, the granny uh, twisting and all that, you know. Because granny always tell you the old songs are the best, she's up and rock and roll. You know, they, you know grannies would always twist, twist extremely gingerly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, when he came back with the lyrics, I, I knew how it would be with no, and, and it worked as well, but I, I knew we had to put something a bit more serious in there. So I'd, I'd come up with this line, look to the future now, it's only just begun. And so, so you know, the chorus lyrics were mine-ish, and, well, the rest is history, isn't it? <laughs> history that won't go away. <laughs> it's not history, it keeps coming around again. Every, every single year, yeah, it's a, it's a hit now. Every single year, yeah. I don't think it will ever no. go away. No. Uh, a lot of people think we should never have done it. But, you know, what I told the band was that when we put it down, you know, there won't be any jingle bells, there won't be any kids, there won't be any... Anything Christmassy, Christmassy on it at all. But when when we recorded it in New York, uh, there was a harmonium in there, and uh, John Lennon had been in the studio making an album before us, and uh, this harmonium was there. And I, and I started messing around. I said, "We've got to have this on." You know, <laughs> hey, look at this, John Lennon's harmonium, which it wasn't. It was never was John Lennon's harmonium, but I, just because I thought it was, you know, and I thought, "Oh, it would be great to get this on there." And so I put it on, Chaz hated it. But, you know, it works really well. Mm. Now the rest is history, yeah. Next track. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you're talking about that track, and, and that seemed to set mean that it opened up a, a different sounds for Slade and different sides to the band. You know, songs like Far, Far Away, which is kind of more reflective. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and in fact, the next one that will be coming up will be Every Day. Every Day is one of the best side songs. It's got to be. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that is that was written, the, the, the verse, you know, Every Day when I'm away, I'm thinking of you. Everyone can carry on except for we two. That was, my wife came up with that. Mm. We were at our house one night with some mates, and and I said, I went around the table, and, I, and they said, hey, do you like hits? And I said, well, look, just go around the table. And then we went around the table. I'll tell you what, everybody, they weren't musicians or anything. Everybody came up with something half decent. I was, I was gobsmacked. Mm. Everybody was canned up, of course, you know. But uh, I got, got to my wife and uh, she said, uh, you know, I, she said, come into the living room, I'm too embarrassed to sing it. And she sang it. And I, I said, mm. well, that's great. You know, and then I just did that. And you know that I love, and you know that I, and you know that I love, and I. And then I, you know, stuck the chorus on it, and the rest, the rest history there. That that's used at a, a lot of funerals, which is funny, going from Merry, Merry Christmas into a song that's used at funerals and also weddings. Oh yeah, uh, people have that as the first um, wedding dance. I, I heard someone, I don't know whether it was Jeremy Vine. I think it was Jeremy Vine. People were, you know, what was your wedding dance song? Mm. And somebody rang in and, and they said, oh, the, you know, we had Slade every day. You know, that back in the day, you know, my wife was mad about Slade. And, you know, we, that was our first dance. It's a waltz as well. So that was every day. I mean, that's still around in all its forms, you know.
except for we two and you know that I love and you That was a big hit. That was a top five. Yeah, it got to number three, I think. Uh, back, back to that's another rocker. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, but uh, you know, I sort of, I sort of don't count that and my friend standard. In my mind, I don't count them as hits. They're, they're, they're sort was, of, that cause Ch- was that because was that Chaz? It was Chaz's. Yeah, kind of Chaz. Yeah, yeah. There was a song that was on the B side. Uh, what was it? It was on the B side of Banging Man, called "She Did It to Me." Chaz was at the last minute was going to flip it over and have Bam Bangy Man as the B side and have shit it to me. But every day was slow and that was slow. And he thought, well, hang on, Slade doing two slow singles, you know. So we had to keep it as a Bangy Man, you know. But it was only a filler, really. And there were a lot, a lot of layered harmonies. We, we always used to, we always had, you know, when we first started playing, we were, we were well known for our harmonies. People used to come and see us. To, they thought we were in a harmony group. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's amazing, you know. I, I, I can't wait to hear what this Ambrose Slade to Frank Zappa 
is all about because um you know in those days we were really yeah i mean the mover around and the marmalade and uh marmalade used to be called dean ford and the gaylords and they're really good you know and that when they, they changed the name to marmalade and they were doing a, a residency at the market we went to see them this was back in the 60s you know and that, that i mean they, they were great you know really good players you know a great band great band but harmonies again move the move harmonies uh beatles harmonies mm. so that that was our sort of schooling and uh Jeff Lynne had this band, um, The Idol Race. Oh, I love The Idol and Race. They were brilliant, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely great. And Jeff, you know, living to bits. Mm. Yeah, so that was where all that came from, you know. I mean, uh, I think Chaz was alarmed when we said, uh, you know, we're going to mm. do some harmonies. Mm. Harmonies? They don't do harmonies. <laughs> well, they're fucking harmonies, man. <laughs> but uh, maybe we shouldn't have done the harmonies. Truth all the 
Slade in Flame kind of does capture that more reflective side in in the, the theme of that film, but also in the music. Yeah. Now the thing is, in '74 we were making the film, and uh, I didn't like making the film. I, I felt very shy about the whole thing. I was I was very shy. I'm not I'm not so shy now. In fact, not shy. Not shy at all. In fact, I'm almost extra, extrovert now. Mm. But I was talking to Johnny Steele, uh, who he used to be the drummer in The Animals, and he worked with Chad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the, I, I said, so I said, so where do we go from here? And we were sitting in this big car that we had, and we were just driving back into town. And he, he said, he said, yeah, man, he said, just write the best music you can, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and put it forward, you know, put it out there. That was it. We were coming from the film set. And Johnny Johnny Steele was very heavily involved in that film, really heavily involved. Uh, he had a lot to do with it. But um, we were coming uh, back from the filming, and that's when I came up with the idea of how does it feel. And, and I, I, I sort of did it while when Johnny Johnny Steele said to me, "Just write the best music I can, you can." And I thought, well, the best music I've written so far is this song that nobody's heard. So I did it, and I did the how does it feel, and did the melody over the top, and, and I'd already got the do you know, no, no, what it's like to be searching in the... My lyrics are there, all my lyrics, and then, and then not, not filled in the other bits, and uh, it all worked out really well. Uh, you know, it was, it was a bit weird for the band to be learning that, uh, but, but they, you know, it, it turned out brilliantly. And uh, but it only got to about number sixteen in the charts or something like that. You know the best record you ever make, and just because it's different, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't register as much as the other. But you have to. This is the trouble, you know. If you're going to do things that people have to think mm. more about, it's not as instant and therefore not as mm. amenable. Mm. People know about that track now. How does it feel? And it is one of the most popular tracks now because of how great it is yes yes it, it is it is an absolutely great record i was very pleased the way it came out extremely pleased and nod did a fantastic uh, singing job on it mm. and uh Chas turned around to me he said he said hey jimmy he said uh, why is not why is not not his voice sounding like this and I said, so he used to sing before he was screaming. Mm. And he said, well, I don't understand. I said, well, when Get Dead and Get With It got, it got in in the charts, and then it was Because I Love You, and then it was, I said to Nod, we should have, to make the Slade sound, Don and I will keep this... That's all sort of, you know, four to the floor on the bass drum, and I, and I went along with it, just padded it out, you know, and then... Dave and Don on the guitars. It was all very simple, really. But, but you know, between us, you know, I mean, it was it was massive. It sounded like an earth mover. I remember our uh, our roadie Charlie. He, he used to say, uh, he used to say, um, I don't know why you lot have volume knob, knobs on your guitars. You should just take off the knob and just put a, a rubber grommet in there, or a bit of sort of you know blue tack <laughs> stuff it in. You know? <laughs> it's always on full. And, you know, uh, funnily enough, I watched Spinal Tap last night mm. and I was watching it and I thought, oh, my God, this is so much like us. Oh, yeah. You know, the band started in 66, we started in 66, but the original band was going from 64, the original band was going from 64. And I was watching this and, and, and there were bits of quo in it 
and uh, of course the, uh, the Stonehenge bit, you know, that, that's uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, and there are all, all sorts of stuff, really. And, uh, and of course, they were, they were pop and then psychedelic. And, you know, and I, and I thought, I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is ringing a lot of bells with me. But, yeah, where do we know? How does it feel, yeah? So Chaz, Chaz said to me, hey, Jim, he said, uh, the, uh, David Putnam, or Lord Putnam, as he's now. Do you know David Putnam? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the producer of the film, yeah. He said, he said, would the lads like to write some theme music, you know? And he said, I don't know. He, he said, I'll ask them. He said, he said, Jim said, so I'm asking you, you know, would you like to write some theme music? I said, I've already got it. Mm. <laughs> he said, I just killed himself laughing. He said, how can you already have it? I said, this is what, this mm. is what needs to be in the film. And, and, uh, I don't think Chaz, well, he didn't really understand it. He didn't quite get it. And, he, you know, he was always asking me, you know, am I happy with that and happy with this? He always was asking me about, you know, is that right, is this wrong or whatever. But, but with how does it feel, he's completely lost. Because as we were putting it down, you've got to remember, he has never heard it. And so we're putting it down and he can't make out what the bloody hell all this is about. Yeah. Uh, it didn't sound anything like Slade, that was for sure. But uh, it worked out really well, mm. yeah. And it sounds great in the film. Uh, you know, when, it, when the film kicks off and that's on, uh, it just sounds brilliant. Thank you. 
Um, but the film, the film wasn't a commercial success. But I mean, mm. but from a credibility point of view, oh, um, it's so well regarded now, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. You know, the first, the first film about rock and roll that actually told the truth of how it goes. You know, where the band splits up at the end, exactly mm. like Slade. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's what happened in real life in the end. And, uh, and and the writers said, you know, we think this is what will happen. Well, you'll be the one that um, that will be, that'll be writing the music in the future. You know, you'll you'll be you, you know you've left the band and 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 uh, and you'll be doing your own stuff. I mean, it wasn't like that, but it is now. I mean, you know, I'm I'm releasing stuff now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I won't be hanging around with this, but uh, you know, uh, I'll get out, you know as much out as soon as I can. You know. So that's what this, the, this EP is about, uh, is, is to get something out quick without it being an album. There's much more onus on an album. And if you're going to do an album like Therapy, my therapy album, I mean, that took a very long time to do. Because it, it's not... It's, I, I didn't want it to sound like anything else, and it's, it, sounds, um, it sounds very retro. Mm. And I realised, do you know Carl Wallinger from World Party? Ever heard of him? Yeah, absolutely amazing songwriter, brilliant songwriter. Yeah, he's a mate of mine. Uh, and I was when I was at psychology college uh, in the nineties, I used to go around to his studio. He was renting a flat from me hmm. uh, in London at the time, and I got to know him. And he was a great influence on on me when I came to make the therapy album. It was making it sound sort of vulnerable, you know, and uh, and uh, I'm sure Carl would have liked to have got his hands on it, but you know, the trouble is, is <laughs> it wouldn't have been finished to this day. You know? <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's terrible for that, you know. But he's living in Hastings now. Is that the sort of period where? Because there's a great single of yours, "I'll Be John, You Be Yoko." Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. I'll be, I'll be John, you be okay. That was 1991, was it? Yeah. Uh, I'll be John, you be okay, yeah. <clears throat> and that's another song, you know, I just sort of uh, start just singing, you know. Yeah. And, and, and you just, you don't realise you've just written a song. By the time you get you've played it a couple of times, you've got a song, you know. And that's, uh, that's another thing when you're doing your own lyrics, you know, you don't have to wait for somebody else to sort of catch up, you know. You can just do it yourself.
We haven't covered far, far away, by the way. Uh, mm. We were in America, and, and, and I was standing with, uh, standing on the, uh, on a balcony, you know, looking over the Mississippi, and this sort of thing it looked like go- a ghost coming down the, uh, d- down the river. Mm. And, and the bloke I was standing with, he said, um, I've, "I've seen the yellow lights go down the Mississippi," and I said, "What a great line!" So, uh, and, and I said, "Oh, I use that in the song." So. I'd got this, I've seen the yellow lights go down the Mississippi, seen the bridges of the world in there for real. And then, and then I, I just stopped. And I had that knocking round for a time. And then one day, Nod came to my ass and I said, here's this, here's this beginning. Now you go off and you finish the song off. You do the whole thing. He said, well, what are you doing that for? You know, you know you're bad. You, you write the songs. I said, no, you go Go off. Well, mm. He came back, and there were some other songs that we we could we knew one at a time. We had to do a few at a few at a time because you know there was always the pressure to keep recording. So that would have been flame then, and uh, so he he went off, and I thought he's not going to do it. He's going to come back, and 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 he said so. I mean those, those lyrics, you know, uh, I've seen the yellow lights go down the Mississippi. I've seen the bridges of the world, and they're for real. He said, how can I write something that that make any sense, you know? I said, well, you know, be more whimsical, you know, poetic, you know. So hey, off he went and he came back and I thought he's not, he's not going to, he won't have done it. Mm. So he came back and he played me, uh, um, uh, he sang the lyrics that we know uh, and um, except that uh, he got it called Letting Loose Around the World. So he was going, letting loose around the world, head up in the clouds, letting loose around the world. That's how he got it. So I said, we'll change it, we'll put the far, far away there, and and then put that at the end. And we had a, a bit of a row about it. Uh, but anyway, I was on about the lyrics, not putting the laddishness into the uh, into the lyrics. And of course, it went, I've seen the yellow lights go down the Mississippi, seen the bridges of the world in there for real. Then Nod, Nod's lyrics come in. 
I've had a red light off the wrist without me even getting kissed. You see what I mean? You see what I mean? Going from me to, to nod. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic, a fantastic uh, example of, of the lyrics. You know, what Nod did, Nod, nod put the laddishness in it, which I, I wouldn't have done. But, you know, that, that made us, that, there was a contributing factor to how, how we were viewed, you know, the lads. Mm. So, so it all worked out in the end, you know. But that's, that's a really good example of me, uh, me swim, switching to Nod. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I did my own, me- I, did the me- I did a melody. And, uh, and, and, and I said to Nod, let's try, let's try this underneath. And I put his, and oh, he, he, was, he, had, he, he got in a real huff about it. And I said, no, no, this is better. And it's, it's the melody you know now, anyway. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's a sort mm. of typical me melody. Far, far away, boom, 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 on the bass, you know. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that was a great track. And how does it feel in Far, Far Away with, with, the, with the musical pinnacles of the film? So, um, <clears throat> and then, then we were sort of thinking, what do we do afterwards? I think we went to America for a while. I've seen the bridges of the world and they're for real I've had a red light off the wrist without me even getting kissed It still seems so unreal I've seen the morning in the mountains of Alaska I've seen the sunset in the east and in the west I've sang the glory that was Rome and passed the hound dog singers home It still seems for the best And I'm far, far away With my head up in the clouds And I'm far, far away With my feet down in the crowds Letting loose around the world But the call of home is loud Still as loud
thanks for the memory. I mean, you know, I sat around on the piano and all that, but that was really complicated, complicated to play. That I couldn't get any any musician, any sort of. I said we're going to have to get somebody in to play this, you know. Uh, but you know, I played it, and it was really playing on the clavinet, which is sort of a very bouncy instrument, you know. And and I couldn't uh, get it together, you know. So I tried it on the piano. It was better, but it hadn't got that sort of more modern sound. That was a modern sound then, a clavinet. Stevie Wonder was using it, and we, you know, I couldn't get nobody would come to to do it, you know. So I did it myself, but. We went to see uh, Led Zeppelin in uh, 1976 at the Earl's Court. And we went to a party afterwards, and uh, John Bonham came up to me and he said, Who wrote that song that I heard on the radio? And, uh, and I said, uh, I did. He said, Who did that riff? I did. Who's playing that riff? I am. Yeah, I ain't playing that, because John Bonham was he, he was, he was the loveliest bloke on the planet, and then when he'd had a drink and some drugs, oh my God, he's he just awful, you know. So anyway, he was using one of those, and my wife was really frightened, you know. And and he, he said, I want to play that riff. He said, I'd go, don't, don't, you know, and I, and I could imagine it when he was telling me. I said, you know what, that would be really good. I said, uh, if only we could just, rec- you know, get it off the radio and you could come and play the drums in it. He said, oh, I'll do that. <laughs> 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 I don't think the rest of the band would have liked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, especially Don. But, you know, our band or their band, but I mean, I would have liked it to play it or Don. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would have been great if I'd had him guesting on it, yeah. It would have been lovely.
so where are we now then? We, we, we're in... Uh... Kind of moving to 75, 76. It's, I mean, you're still still having hits like In For A Penny. Yes. Uh, let let's call it quits. Yeah, and and then after that, it it, it was. I think the I mean the scene re- really sort of shifted in the seventies, and it must have been a must have been harder. It was. It was. Everything went to disco, and it was Greece and John Travolta and all that. BGs became huge, you know, with a yeah. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but they they didn't take the same bit and put it over again. They, they sang it. They just sang it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, we 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 uh, we were all Bee Gees fans, you know. We we loved the Bee Gees. Yeah, I should probably shouldn't be saying that's not very rock and roll, but but not nods are not going to be able to reach those high notes in the same way as Barry. No, though. no, not quite. No, it would be a slight difference. <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, so then we go into the nineteen eighties, don't we? But uh, but Reading, I mean, you must must talk about Reading because. There's a, you know an immediate shift after that show where you've just had a re- rebirth and and the, the especially the heavy metal fans and rock fans just immediately yeah. took you as as their own yeah it was uh, I mean ACDC were around uh, they weren't on the on the Reading Festival that year I mean it's it's mm. us being on that 1980 Reading Festival is sort of legendary now. Yeah, uh, and I'm amazed how people still know about it. A lot of people were, were in the audience. Uh, I was talking to a guy, Dave Ling from Classic Rock, and he was saying to me, uh, "You know, I, I, he said, what about Reading?" And I said, uh, I, "I said, uh, I said, oh, it went really well." He said, "Really well." I, you <laughs> know, he said a lot more than that. He said, "I've never seen anything like it." I said, "Why were you in the audience?" And he said, "He said, yeah, I was." <laughs> he said, "It was just unbelievable." I said, I oh, know. I said, and I, I said, I did feel sorry for Def Leppard going on after us. You know, it was that they had, oh, they had a really hard time. It was terrible. Uh, you know, it was, it was painful. You know, they, 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 you know, they're a fantastic band. You know, and they, they'd been supporting us. It was quite early for them. It was, yeah. yeah. In England, it was early, and then White Snake on the, were on at the end. You know, I and mean, they did all right, but uh, you know, I mean, we'd taken the wind out of the whole the sails. I was to, doing an interview the other day. And uh, somebody said about Reading, he was there as well, he was, he was interviewing me. And uh, I said, well, we went on, and Nod, Nod got this brainwave, and he said, uh, he said, he said uh, any requests from the parade? And uh, I don't know if anybody shouted it or not, or, or whether, you know, somebody, I think somebody did actually. Merry Christmas, everybody. He said, we ain't singing that. He said, yeah, Rock can sing it. So there we are. We've got an absolute storm anyway. And and the finale was the crowd singing to us, and we were just watching them. <laughs> <laughs> and people were jubilant, absolutely jubilant. The vibe was so up, uh, and everybody was happy. And I was saying uh, to, to Dave Ling about this, uh, in, and poor old Def Leppard going on after us, which was which was very unenviable, uh, because as I said to him, even Slade couldn't have followed Slade. Nobody could follow that. Mm. You know, we'd done our bit. You know, we we couldn't come up with anything else. You know, <laughs> but that Merry Christmas at the end. Oh my God, fantastic! Mm. Not that long after that, you were back in the top ten with "We'll Bring the House Down." I mean, what? What? How incredible! We were, yeah. You know, the scene was so different to say ten years earlier, and and you you kind of back back in there. Yeah, we just walked into the charts, I know. <laughs> As you do. Uh, we're a top ten single, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we after Reading, you know, all sorts of people were booking us. We went and played in Holland, and uh, we were in Antwerp. It's Antwerp, Antwerp in Belgium, is it? Um, I think it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we we played Ant- Antwerp, and the crowd were going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought, there's the next single. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just things, you know, you, you just hear, you know, going down the street, you know, somebody, you know, always hear something in a shop, and... And that was that, you know, and that was how we'll be in the house down. You know, it didn't take me two ticks to put the rest together.
just a few years later, you almost had a, another number one. I think it was number two, My Oh My. My Oh My, yeah. Uh, once again, uh, we were just going on stage and uh, that came into my head. Why or how? I have no idea. I just said to uh, Hayden, who was a roadie of ours in that t- at that time, I said, give me a pencil. And I just wrote down the chords quickly, you know, out of my head, you know. And I just wrote the notes down. And I just, uh, you know, because we were going on stage, so we played our set full on, which was taking a lot of energy, you know. But I got it uh, stuffed in my pocket, you know. The that's it. That's all it was all the way through, the same thing. And I thought, oh, that sounds great. Uh, I've got another thing like that that came up the other day. I've no idea. My wife stuck her head around the door. She said, I haven't heard you doing that before. And I said, well, you know, I don't know what it is. I said, it just, you know, came to my head. Uh, the similar sort of thing, you know, this, you, you could you could do it in the Scots way or a sort of a orchestral way or whatever, you know. It's just one of those big melodies that comes over the mountain, you know, like a bomber. I mean, hmm. I heard My Oh My. That's not played on the radio very much, but I heard it on the radio. and It sounded like a, a massive B-12 coming over the um, hmm. coming over the Rocky Mountains, you know. And especially at the end, when, when we have the last big uh, instrumental at the end. It's a great record. Hmm. And that, that was a sort of departure for us because it was a bit, uh, you know, once again, Nod wasn't, wasn't screaming, you know. And it, so it's more gentle, you know. Um, Paul McCartney told me that he, thought he, you know, he liked my writing, and, and he said about that, my oh my, he said, he said, he said that if uh, if I write a song like that, you know, you can sue me, you know, you know, I won't, I won't be bothered about it. He said because you know, you know, I've, I've nicked some of your stuff as well. <laughs>
massive hit, and especially it was was it after Quiet Riot, but they had the number one with Come On Feel the Night. Yeah, number one for one week. <laughs> but I had more money then doing nothing, sitting in the garden than I have had in my life. <laughs> yeah, that was all right. Uh, you know, I, I bought a, a flat in, a, in London with that. I used to call it the Riot House. <laughs> Not that I was doing any writing, I, I, I you know, I, I, I rented it out, you know. So there's Carl Wallinger upstairs, and downstairs was a bloke, um, he died now, he was, he was a really nice bloke, his name was Bill Ward, and he he started um, ATV, TV channel in the Midlands, and then when, when the commercial stations came on, and then that became central and was gobbled up into whatever it became now. Uh, and then he started ATV Music, and his first signing was John Lennon. So that's not bad, is it? <laughs> so so he signed that, you know. So he was in the Riot House. He was the first, um, yeah, first tenant of mine. Uh, and he was there. He was sharing with a woman named um, Sandy, and she she was a producer as well. They were really nice people. A bit eccentric, you know, <laughs> but aren't we all? But, uh, but, yeah, you know, we did have some success. In fact, we didn't go back, but we were actually in the charts with Run Runaway, believe it or not. Now, they'd be a good one to play. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that, that was the only hit we ever had in America as a, as a single. Uh, our album, uh, uh, Slay Ed, was in the charts for, I don't know, maybe one, two years. Uh, in in the top Billboard top 100, sort of bubbling around the bottom end, uh, and the people that were coming to see us were sort of Springsteen and and the Ramones, uh, all sorts of people. Uh, uh, I think Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi came to see us when we played at uh, Asbury Park. I don't know whether Dave Grohl told told Nod that, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, that Kurt Cobain came to see us. So. If you notice, all these bands were raving it up on stage in their own way. Bruce Springsteen with Born in the USA, you know, which wasn't what he was doing before. It was all sort of serious and left-wing and the factory and up the workers and blue collar and all that, you know. So so it was really, um, you know, gratifying to know that these guys... Once again, our tour manager, Springsteen, came to see... He was touring... Uh, he was touring Southside Johnny and the Asbury Dukes in in the uh, in the states, and they played Asbury Park. And Springsteen came down to see Southside Johnny, and uh, he went on stage for a jam. The trouble with it, they could never get him off. You know? <laughs> that was the trouble. So, uh, but anyway, he, he was talking to Sweet. He said, "Hey, Slade, great." He said, "You know, I saw Slade, and I I, I like their attitude. You know, like a raving man, you're raving it up. You know." And I decided, I, I want some of that too. And of course, next time he went on stage, born uh, in the USA, with his fist in the air and climbing all over the amps. And I thought, hmm, I wonder where he's seen that before. <laughs>
and even to the latter period of uh, Slade's time in the industry, yeah, you're still having hits. You know, even to what very towards the end, this radio wall of sound. I think that's that was entirely your song, wasn't it? Yeah, because you know, Nod Nod was not things were things were not the same in the band. Somehow, it was when we came off the road. It was it was something happened to us. I told Nod that this would happen because he was the one. He, you know, uh, uh, and when we came off the road, uh, we got offered a, um, or it was mooted that we'd been offered uh, when you know when Bon Jovi did uh, Monsters of Rock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we were you know they're on about us going third on the bill. Nod was having none of it. You know, I said, look, Nod, you know, this is like snooker balls on a table. You know, you you line them up, and there they are in a nice triangle, and the blacks there. You know, and they're mm. all this and the da da. You got the white, and then you hit it. And it goes all over the place. And that's what this is going to do. If we don't start playing live, that's what's going to happen to us. Mm. It'll just be scattered. And there's somehow we were scattered. There was something, something, there were, there were, Dave was wanting to write the singles and he'd never written a song in his bloody life. Mm. He wrote one and he thought that was it. He thought, he thought he was the big Beethoven, you know. <clears throat> and I said, you know, uh, by your own admission, you know, you never liked the songs as, as 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 we'd be playing them to you. You know, you said you never liked them. So if you never liked all these songs, and a lot of them were, you know, a massive hits and got to number one, mm. how the heck are you ever going to write a hit? Mm. When you, you know, you, oh, I don't like that one. <laughs> you know? mm. He never told us that. He went just went along with it. And of course, we were being very successful, you know. So, mm. uh, And I said, you know, it's impossible for you to write... Uh, uh, the singles and he said but you know I need to get more money and I said well you know you've got, to, you've, got, you've got to write the singles then he said well I'll write it with you like Nod does I said oh, it's no good writing with you because you, you know you, he'd written this song Red Hot which ended up on the B side of um, I think it was a double B side on, on, the, on the B side of either I think it was on the B side of Universe oh the last single the last single yeah Universe, yeah, uh, and uh, he was on the B side of that, and and it, I don't know. Somehow we thought he was Beethoven or something, you know. It, you know, th- just things were getting really odd, and then Nod wasn't coming over, and you know, and uh, if, you know, if I rang him up, I'm, now I'm doing a radio show, and this, and all this, and that, and the mm-hmm. other, and it was all going every which way, you know. I was still writing, I was still doing what I was supposed to do. But of course, you know, uh, and then uh, Polydor was downsizing and uh, our contract expired. Um, and uh, and that was that. And, you know, we thought, well, you know, we'll go on the back burner for a while. But, you know, it, it was obvious that, you know, I, I mean, I was quite happy not to do any more, to be quite honest, because... Yeah, having to keep churning the songs out, and then if they, if they don't go on the radio, it's like you get the blame, you know, or you know, it's the songs or whatever, you know, the songs get the blame or the production or whatever it is. Twenty years of writing hits is is a massive period. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but uh, I must admit, you know, uh, I, I knew Queen uh, well, and so did my wife uh, in the, their early days, and. Uh, you know, they really shaped up really quickly, and they, mm. they got four writers in that band. Four writers. I mean, 
they were actually arguing over who was going to have the single. You know, it was the opposite way around to me. You know, having to come up with it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean, you know, they, they they were sort of song rich, I suppose. You know, you could put it like that. Uh, I mean, John Deacon. People don't give him the credit that he deserves. Uh, and I think he's quite happy to be in the background. Uh, lovely guy, uh, dry as a bone, you know. And he could, you know, he could get up to a bit, a bit of mischief here and there, yeah. you know. Uh, and and Roger, you know, he wrote Radio Gaga and Brian and Freddie, you know, and you know, phew, you know, <laughs> let it roll. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, they uh, and uh, you know I was sort of I was sort of looking at how their thing was carrying on, and when when uh, you're my best friend came out, I thought well, that was absolutely brilliant, you know. And John John said to me, you know, he said uh, he said I wrote that. I said, did you? I didn't know that. He said, yeah. He said I'm playing playing the piano on it as well. He said, but I was shitting a brick because you know in case Freddie was watching me, <laughs> <laughs> getting nervous. I can I can I could. I put if I put myself in in John's shoes when he was doing that, I'd have felt exactly the same. You know. This is Rock and Radio, the Wall of Sound.
There's a song on, on the reissue of Therapy called I'm the Greatest Now. Yeah. What was the period that that was recorded? Uh, well, it, it wasn't recorded that long ago, but I got this cancer thing, you see. And uh, and so that just not be for six health-wise. And so, I mean, I was carrying on, but uh, it, it wasn't a time. It, when I got to the studio, because of the treatment, I'd just be lying in the, you know, sleep on the back back uh, settee in the studio, you know. I, I couldn't, you know, I was dragging myself around. I still am, really. Yeah. So, but I got all this, because I never stopped writing, I've got all this stuff on the shelf, you know. And uh, that was one of them. And uh, so Frank said, we need a single. So my brother Frank, and he's sort of, you know, yeah. coming up with ideas, and he came up with the idea of the EP the therapy album wasn't supposed to be re-released. He took it to this record company called Wiener World and they were going to mid M and, and, and they said, hey, this sounds great, you know. Well, you know, what's not to like? Oh, yeah. This is great. And it's original and uh, and it's, you know, it's really powerful because, you know, there's no holes in it. Mm. You know, you can you, you, you can pick any any track you know, and it, it, it all stands up, you know. And so they went to mid M and sold it all over the over the world. They came back super pleased, you know. And they said, let's, let's, let's put it out with bonus tracks on. And that's, so that's what we did. Uh, and on the album, on the uh, vinyl version, there's six bonus tracks on that. Uh, once again, because I've got a lot of material, you know. And then we did, we've done this as a stopgap. The EP, we don't know what's coming next, but there will be something. Uh, you know, we think there'll be something anyway, uh, unless anything drastic happens. Um, the other thing is to get in recording studios around here has become really difficult. Um, it seems like everybody wants to make a record now, whereas days gone by, these little studios, you know, they'd, they'd be lucky if they got, you know, got sort of people in at the weekends, you know. But now they're full all the time. So that's, that's another thing. Um, so that's how that came about. And I recorded it in, in the Midlands, uh, in, in Warsaw. Yeah. And so, you know, nobody had nobody ever heard it. Uh, and I just played it to Frank and said, what about this? And then the, we remastered, well, we tarted it up and then remastered it. My brothers always reckoned it should have been uh, a single. And yeah, I suppose he's right, really.
one last song that I'd like to close with and it is a song from the Lost in Space EP. Yes. It's What in the World. I mean that's got that sort of trademark rock sound that Slade Slade. defined. Yeah, keep it simple. (laughs) The drum beat. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you know, I just heard something on the radio and and it's, you know, just gave me the idea to do this sort of commentary on, on something. So, I just did all this, you know, you know, where are we all going with this life thing, you know, and with the world's evolving and, and, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, I thought there were a lot more verses to it, hell of a lot more mm. about cryogenics, you know, and getting frozen. Yeah. So, you know, you're not dead and all this, you know, and there was, I don't know, it, it probably went on for about 10 minutes, uh, the original, and I cut it down. Uh, and there was this band around here called the uh, the Amazing Bushby Daredevils, and they were a busking band, and they they sound fantastic when they all sang together. I heard them rehearsing. I said, "Do you want to come here and sing on this?" And they're doing that with me. What in the world? That's something just been in the cupboard for you know, God knows how long. You know, get the old duster on it. You know, tart it up. You know, re- uh, do extra work on it. Go back to the original thing, you know, do a bit of extra work on it. And because a lot of, the, you know, all the guitars are there and it's, you know, you can all put another one on because that's not what should be there or there's a mistake there or, you know. But it still sounds raw- raucous and raw. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people have mentioned that one, actually. But, uh, you know, um, do you know a band called Magnum? Yeah, 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 the rock band. Yeah, yeah, t- I, know, I know Magnum and... And Tony Clark in the brains of Magnum, he sort of, uh, oh, yeah. when the beast from the east was here, uh, he stuck his head around the door into the, stu- into the studio I was in. He said, Jim, he said, I've been hearing some, old, some songs of yours. He said, he said, they're, he said, they're, he said, they're all really good. He said, there's one about, you know, uh, thank the Lord or uh, what in the world, what in the world, that's what you sing, what in the world. He said, it's great. He said, but I could see the way it was going. And he said, I thought, oh, no. No, I know what the ending's going to be. He <laughs> said, so when it came, <laughs> thank the Lord for the gift of our death. Okay, everybody, out of the pool. <laughs> and he said, he said, and what he said at the end just took it away and made it a laugh, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're all going there anyway. We might as well just mm-hmm. laugh at it, you know. 
So, uh, so yeah, so there you are. So it prob- probably is a good ending. Perfect. But but I've got I've got as I said I've got I've got a lot of material knocking around. Mm. You know we'll we'll hopefully get it all out at the end of the day. Either either re-record it. Brilliant. The trouble is since since. Since I've had my cancer treatment, I, I found that I can't sing very well. I can't. I'm not. I'm not a great singer anyway. But my voice is uh, is getting. It gets very. Um, you know, what happens to guys as they get older anyway? Singers, you know, it gets sort of pretty. Especially, you can't do it in the higher keys. Mm. Old Paul, uh, old Macca's struggling with that. I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, but, you know, old Jag is still going with it. I don't know whether they lower the keys or something, but, uh, you know, so that creates a problem. But, you know, to cover it, uh, you know, if I, if I can find the original, you know, the, well, the multi-tracks, which yeah. I probably can, yeah. you know, I'd be covered with that, you know, from vocals from the past, and then I could redo things, you know, and make it better. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's really rough, Brilliant. you know, really rough guitar playing and, you know, shitty mm-hmm. drums and all the rest of it. But, you know, it can be used and tarted up, uh, you know, because of technology, here we are. I'm actually saying good things about technology now. <clears throat> it's good for that. It's the positive um, side. So, yeah. uh, you know, you can put it all in the box and have a look and see what's there. So, uh, have, we, have we cooked? Have we done it now? Thank you. It's a real privilege, Jim, and thank you so much. All right, Jason. All right. Uh, take care. Take care. It's been nice talking to you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. The father 
Okay, everybody, out of the pool. Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew Podcast. If you do like the show, please consider supporting me on Patreon. Patrons get access to unedited interviews as they're done, news, plus even access to my exclusive interview archive. All your support goes into keeping the show running and moving forward and getting amazing guests. To support me, just go to patreon.com forward slash strangebrewpod or go to the strangebrew.co.uk forward slash about. Thanks very much and any reviews on your podcasting services are greatly appreciated. Thank you.